Hey, welcome everybody to the the awesome and amazing, got to put my cool shades on, excuse me, the awesome and amazing Monday AMA Ask Me Anything. Absolutely, Larry Sharp here, 7 p.m. on the East Coast. I just want to bring up, if I could, I think what many people are talking about, and that is the voting bills and voting laws that are kind of coming up both at the state level and the national level. HR1 is the big one now at the national level. And it's a piece I just wanted to bring up because, again, I'll take any questions that you have, any comments that you have, but I feel like this one, a lot of people are talking about this. And let me cover, if I could, HR1 for a second. Kind of four or, or three or four of the big deals. Let me go a separate spot. Why are we even having these issues? Why are people talking about it? Because you have one side in America that says it's all we're doing is cheating. Everything is, you know, open to cheat. Everything is, you know, is open to be taken advantage of. It's not secure. That's one side. You have the other side that says, oh my God, it's all about voter suppression. That's all we're doing is suppression the vote. The vote's being suppressed. Um, we're trying to stop everyone from voting. And often people say, well, Larry, you know, which side is right and walk down this rabbit hole. I actually don't want to. Why? Why wouldn't I want to walk down this rabbit hole and give you the specifics of each? Because it doesn't matter. This is not a logical issue. This is an emotional issue. Emotion on both sides, right? There are people, I do not feel that the election was so corrupt that Donald Trump actually won. I don't believe that doesn't matter. There were absolutely irregularities. That's a fact. Everyone would agree with that. That's true. The question is, was it as bad as as Trump supporters said? I don't believe it to be true. However, it doesn't matter. Tens of millions of Americans do believe that. And we have done nothing to satisfy them. Nothing to satisfy them. We just yell at them and go, you're wrong. Look, no evidence. And they still believe that there is so much corruption that it affected the election. Tens of millions of Americans. Then the opposite side. Voter ID is evil. Voter ID is wrong. It's horrible. But we do it in many states. Voter ID is not crazy at all. It isn't crazy, but it doesn't feel good. It's emotional. And why? If if, if you don't understand why, maybe you don't, and this is not an insult, an insult at all. The reality of it is there are still many Americans to this day who are alive now, particularly if you're probably in your, say, 70s, 60s, maybe even 60s, 70s, 80s. For sure, older Americans, particularly older black Americans, but all Americans who are of that age, who remember when voter laws were literally used to suppress the black vote. That was a thing. They're old enough to remember that. I don't believe that's purposely happening at all right now. I don't believe that at all. Again, it's emotional. It feels like you're doing that. And there are, if I remember, there's there's hundreds of thousands of voters, particularly in the South, particularly elderly black Americans who actually don't have the type of ID that's required. So on both sides, we're doing nothing to take care of them. In other words, we're not saying, okay, let's have voter ID laws. And and in addition to that, let's reach out to these several hundred thousand people who would be affected by that, who are American citizens and should vote and may be challenging because many of them are much older. Let's reach out to them and get them the IDs. Let's go do that. Let's, let's aggressively go out and do that. And some of them, depending on how old they are, there aren't as many now, but it used to be when I was a kid, I remember there were many people in my family who I knew who didn't have birth certificate. 
didn't have one. So you said, how old's grandma? I think she's 80, <laughs> but we're not sure. We say she's 85, but uh, I don't know, whatever. I don't know. So that's not anywhere near as common as it used to be, but it still exists. So going after these people so that we can assist them would make sense. We're not doing that. We're doing what I always tell you about. We're not actually trying to solve the problem. Problem on the, on the right, which is, what are we going to do to make the tens of millions of Americans feel like this is actually safe and fair election? Nothing. Or the reverse, what are we going to do to make people feel like we're not trying to stop black Americans from voting? We're not trying to vote expression. What do we do for that? We don't. The National, run by Democrats, says, let's make a big law to open things up more. And the states, run by Republicans, go, let's shut it down and lock it all down. Reinforcing both sides being unhappy. Yay. Now both sides are unhappy. We're now reinforcing both sides to be unhappy. This is not the answer. There are actual ways of making this work. Let me cover a couple pieces of HR 1, which some of you may or may not like, but let me cover a couple of them. One of them is it's mandating early voting. I think it's two, minimum two weeks early voting. While I personally am not against the idea, I, I, I'm fine with that. I can't see how it's constitutional. I can't see how the federal government can mandate that on states. Again, if your state wants to have two weeks, eh, it's fine. I don't care. Whatever works for you, I'm good. Doesn't sound like a bad idea, but whatever. The issue is how does how does the federal government step in and do that? That's a problem. But it's the second part of it too, which is it ends gerrymandering, which I'm 100% for. That is a great idea. And I believe, and people would fight me on this, that's a constitutional. That's constitutional. Why? Because gerrymandering is based upon either race and or party. You can guarantee that it's based on one of those two, or maybe even class. Gerrymandering is based upon a, a, at least one of those three, if not all three, right? Race, class, and um, and political party. You can't mess with that at all at, at the national level. National level, there are no parties. National level, you can't discriminate against race or class. So I'm actually okay with the anti-gerrymandering part of that. That part I'm actually okay with. I think the government can do that and probably should because the Supreme Court totally dropped the ball and should have ruled gerrymandering is completely unconstitutional, totally wrong, helps destroy our democracy, nothing but bad. There's nothing good about gerrymandering at all. It's completely garbage and the Supreme Court dropped the ball. So now the Congress has to step in. I'm actually okay with that. And, and I know some of you might be upset, but that one I'm okay with. But it then does things like no excuse mail-in ba uh, ballots. Again, one, I'm unhappy with the idea of no excuses, but I'm also worried about how does the federal government decide, where, where does the federal government get the power to decide this, right? This is not how it's supposed to be. Once you do this, that just basically ends it, right? That, once this goes through, at what point does do, do, local, do, do local governments have any power? I think it goes away. If HR1 passes as is, while well, I'll be happy with the gerrymandering aspect, that part I'll be happy with, the other three things, two, three things, uh, it's a disaster. It's it's not, while I want gerrymandering to go away, I would rather that go away via the Supreme Court and leave this bill alone. Now you might say, well, Larry, then the states are going to come in and they're going to stop black people from voting. Okay, maybe you're right. Maybe I've misread this and there's a bunch of states Legislators just hate black people and don't want them to vote. Okay. If that's true, then the federal government can step in. 
don't have a problem with that, right? If the federal government says, hey, wait a minute, you guys are not letting black people vote. I'm stepping in. They're citizens. They get to vote. Done. That's fine. My problem is preempting. The assumption that they're doing it wrong. That is my issue. So that's kind of where I stand on this. The the local laws, the Georgia laws, um, I I am shocked on how tone deaf or or how bought and paid for scared the governor is. One of those two is true. Not the laws themselves, but the way it was done. Get having that woman arrested, not even really apologizing for it, doing it behind closed doors with a bunch of white men in today's world. Do you not know how you're going to be destroyed of that? What were you thinking? Right? I mean, wow, how tone deaf can the governor be? Or is he scared because he went against the Republican Party during the election, lost the two Senate seats, they blame him, he's trying to make things right in the party? Maybe. I don't know that, but that's plausible that I could buy. Otherwise, what the hell is this guy thinking? You're a politician. You can't just do stuff. It doesn't work. That's You should know better than that. So let me grab a couple of comments. Uh, th- I wanted to start it off that way because I think it's a, a big, it's kind of a big issue that people are talking about. So Joe says, new voter laws, O'Larry oh, just triggered me. <laughs> yes. I, Joe here. Florida's always having problems, Joe. You guys are always having problems down there. I don't know. It's 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 a problem. So Tim says, more laws solve everything. You know what? I think, I think, Tim, you're right. We're about, I think, about 15 laws and or mandates away from utopia. Just like 15 more laws that will force people to do exactly what the government says, because people always do that what the government says. We'd have utopia. You're right. 15 is what I think. Maybe 16. That's about it. So, yeah. Pete. Ah, thank you, Pete. Of course you did. Pete Clark, 27.9 trillion national debt. See, Pete, I'm going to tell you the same thing. Tim knows. Tim and I, we have a covered. You're lost on this one. Once we get to like 29 trillion, that's when utopia kicks in. That's when all of a sudden that socialist utopia we've been talking about is going to come in at about 29, maybe 30 trillion. Done. I mean, we will probably have to have like hardly any gulags, you know, a couple, but hardly any. I'm with you. Yes. Um, Florida's talking about doing the can't give water to voter in line BS. Yeah, again, thank you for that, Joe. You know, part of the part of the, the Georgia law is you can't give water to people in line when you have a crappy system that puts people in line. What do you what's wrong with you? Like, why would you think that's a good idea? You if you don't want people to influence people the day of, I get it, then that's a law already, isn't it? Isn't it already a law? No electioneering X feet. Is it 500 feet? Whatever is the the number of feet from the from from the uh, election site, that's that already exists. And if your system is so broken that your that that your lines are more than five hundred feet, fix your system. Don't let people sit there and not have water. Can you imagine how that looks? You're in Georgia. You have a relatively compared to others high population of older black men and women who don't have that type of ID who've been through those people of that age have been through segregation when they actually were literally stopping black people from voting back in the fifties, forties, sixties, who lived actually through that. And now you say, don't give water to them. Wow. Do you understand what that looks like? What were you thinking? If you wanted to have something done, this was the wrong way. 
He's he looks like a monster. And Joe, he should know better. And this is not a Hitler die on. What do you care? Give the water. Keep enforce your electioneering rules and move on. You're totally right, Joe. This is silly. It's it's horrible. Yes. Tim says it should be illegal to park a boat sideways in a serious canal for interest in uh, instance. Tim is correct. If we just had a law saying you can't park your boat sideways, then no one would ever have a problem in the Suez Canal. Kim, why didn't they make you in charge of that? They should have made you. You know what? When I become world emperor, I'm going to put you in charge of, of world transportation. And you'll make all the laws to crack down on everybody. See, there we go. And we'll have Utopia. No time. Like six months. Done. Glad you and I together. Yes. So. All right. So I can grab a couple more. Lockdowns don't work. Yes, that's true. Yes. How does government, Abby says, how does government fix the problems that they create? Create more problems they will fix. Well, yeah. Well, here's the problem, Abby. Once the government starts to, to fix a problem, then the government becomes responsible for fixing the problem because they created it and now they're trying to fix it. The sad part is now they're responsible. So who else can fix it? Well, only them. And people then go, well, they broke it. They have to fix it. All the time. You see that happen again and again and again. Um, I share on Twitter. Thank you. Voter ID will cause less people to want to vote. I thought we want to get people engaged. No, no, I agree with you. I think I, I think you're right, which is why I was saying literally you can do both. You can have a voter ID program, but you, but I shouldn't say but, and to make it work, you have to also have direct outreach to those people so that they will want to actually vote because you're right. And that was my point. Maybe I wasn't clear. Thank you for bringing that up. I probably wasn't clear. There are There's a, a significant amount of our population, and I've forgotten the numbers. Somehow, the number in my head is in, in the South, there are 200,000. I don't remember. That number may, may be off. There are hundreds of thousands of Americans who don't have the appropriate ID for voter ID. Most of them, the majority of them, are older people of color. And most of them, if they're older, have lived exactly through segregation. And remember when they were literally sitting there and saying, if you vote, we will come to your house and lynch you. They lived through that. So they're they're not going to want to come. You're right. that and that And everyone around them has that same feeling. They've heard the stories. They know of it, right? They always talk about that. So your 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 point is a valid one. So we have to reach out. Otherwise, how do we make it happen? It is an emotional issue. We have to do that. I completely agree. And I do, I do want more people to vote. And let me go down this road too. There are a lot of Republicans who believe that if more people vote, that it always you know, helps the Democrats. I'm not sure that's always true. I mean, according to Democrats, the Republicans went out of their way to suppress the vote. If that's true, still, I mean, we had more people vote this election than ever. The number one vote getter ever in history of America was Joe Biden. Number two, Donald Trump. That is literally how we. So if 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 one party's trying to suppress the vote, it's not working. That's for sure. Something something's not working. So I do think this is we should have more and more people vote. And I say it all the time. People say, well, Larry, you only want people to vote to vote libertarian. No, that's absolutely not true. I've said it more than once and I mean it. I want you to go out and vote, even if you vote Democrat or Republican. If you're not voting and you're not engaged, it's it's selfish of me 
if you're not engaged, I can't turn you, right? I, and I want to turn you on to libertarianism. I want you all of libertarian. Of course I do. It's been obvious, right? I'm not, I'm not hiding what I'm thinking. So if I can get you, if you're already engaged and you're voting, I got a shot at turning you. If you don't care, you're not going to even come out. So yes, um, we're making laws to match memes. <laughs> That's kind of true. Yeah, it's kind of true. Yes. Joe says, voter ID is not a bad idea. It should be written as the voter can present any form of ID you name with a name with your name and picture on it. anything from a Costco card to Zoom membership. Well, the, the problem with that is then people can just make fake IDs very easily. And then what's the value of having the ID, right? You do want to have some limit or some list of what this of what this is, some appropriate form, right? And not everyone has a driver's license, so it can't just be driver's license. Not everyone has a passport, so it can't just be passport. But states issue licenses. I mean, not like states issue pat. Mm, one more time, states issue ID cards. So do cities. New York City issues ID cards. So you can get a government officially, you know, ID card. You can get one. So I think you do want to have some. If you're gonna do the voter ID at all, then you have to have some way of making it official. Otherwise, why even bother having the voter ID piece? So you have to have something like that. Now, could it be uh, a zoo membership card? Sure, if it's a municipal zoo that's you know issued by the state or by the city, yeah, it could work absolutely. Library card again, if it's issued by the state, then then it would, it would hold whatever is the appropriate you know rules and regulations for that. So I think it's possible, absolutely. All right, um, let's see here. Um, Terrence says, "What do you think about the Ward Connolly proposed ballot initiative in 2003?" Wow, did you actually bring that up? I'm supposed to know what that is from 17 years ago in California. All right, let me see if I can, I'll, I'll try to figure this one out. Title Proposition 54, which would amend the California Constitution to stop the collection and using of racial ethnic data, the measure didn't pass, and how can other states do the same? Oh, I see. How would you do this if you were the President of the United States? Um, this isn't high on my list to be forward with you. What would be high on my list is making the opt out other checkbox more prevalent and allowing people to simply pick that and to tell people they should probably pick that. I think that's actually a better way of making it happen because in certain cases, you probably do want racial data, ethnic data in some way, shape or form, even demographic data. Because once you just say stop, then then do you then you then do you say I I want to collect what language people speak? Do you want to care about how old your population is? And I do think these these pieces aren't necessarily a bad bad to, to data to catch, but I think people should be able to opt out. And the second thing is right now we're trying to measure success, and how do you measure success if you don't gather data? So I'm not sure this would be a high priority for me to be forward with you. If I was president, this would be very low on my priority. There are so many things I want to fix, not high at all. So how would I do, do this as a president? I would push it once I'd had once I've had other successes. This one isn't a hill I want to die on. There are so many other big, bigger issues I deal with. So I think if I was president, this would be like term two, second term, even to deal with to be forward with you. So I, that, that probably isn't what you wanted to hear. But I think if you go to a, a second term and if the executive has shown who they are and what they're trying to achieve, this becomes more effective. 
The problem is when you just want to end it, everyone's going to think you're a bad faith actor, right? The people on, on, on the, the left and the right are going to think you're a bad faith actor. You have to make sure that people believe or trust you before you do something that's this. That's very emotional. And people have to believe you first. So I hope that was clear. Joe says, new bill passed the Florida State House to make it illegal to stand next to someone that threatens someone at a protest. Okay. New bill passed the Florida State House to make it illegal to, to, to stand next to someone that threatens someone at a protest. Right to jail. Wow. No bail released after the first hearing. Wow. So I'm next to Joe and Joe goes, we should kick that guy's ass. And they put us both in jail. Better watch who your friends are. Yeah. Now, talking about people not wanting to go vote, who's going to want to protest? Who's going to want to go protest? That's the point, right? Make no more protest. Because if you're anywhere near and anyone yells, go get them. That's a threat. Put them away. Absolutely. And now you can't threaten a cop. You can't say, oh, you know, yell at you and call you a name and you suck. Whatever, whatever is the, the bad phrase of the day for cops. And all of a sudden now they're going to jail. I don't know. Yeah. Lenny says, I'm only 63 and for many years I had a cradle roll certificate. Had to research and get it from the state where I was born for my passport. Oh, look at that. There we go. There we go. Thank you. I'm telling you, there are some people who don't have that. Yes. Um, my nephew doesn't have a social security number because you legally don't need one. Um, I think you need one once you begin working, if I'm not mistaken. I think you don't need a social security uh, number until like till, till you start working. So most people start working after 18. So you're right. You don't need one until after you're 18. That's correct. It's not required. Um, but yeah, eventually, if your nephew is going to work in the United States, unless he just does everything through an EIN, an entity, he's, I guess he could get away with that, I guess. I don't know. Could you? Maybe. Um, but yeah, the, the social security number is, is required, not because it's required, because you can't do anything without it. People will simply stop you. His, his life will be severely um, halted because of it, similar to our... In New York State, soon to have vaccine passport. That's going to happen soon. Won't be able to do much if you don't have one. Same idea. So, all right. Um, Shannon says, in my opinion, there's nothing in this bill that suppresses or disenfranchises voters. Not one thing. Um, physically, there isn't much. Emotionally, a whole lot. And that's my point, right? These bills... They're, they're trying to fix an emotional problem with a logical solution. It doesn't work. It just makes people angrier. You have to. And the sad part is when it comes to empathy, Joe Biden's way better at empathy than Trump was. Trump was good at projecting strength. Biden's good at projecting empathy. And for this one, we need empathy, not strength. And he's not doing a good job of it. He should be projecting empathy and, and having an emotional answer for this emotional problem. And he's not doing it. So I get where you're going. It's not like they're going to have your know, guards at the gate stopping people. But if they have, say, officers who are in uniform, who are going to you know, make sure you don't hand water out, yeah, that scares people. It's emotional. Are those people going to arrest you because you know, you're there? No, but if you've had bad, you know, if you've had bad interaction with law enforcement, you're not going to want to go. And the bill may not actually say that, but the, it, it is an emotional issue. You have to have people. I was talking to Terrence. I'm talking to Terrence. I was just responding to Terrence. 
like Terrence and I are buddies. I was just responding to Terrence with his idea of, you know, how do you deal with, you know, taking the, not letting the government, you know, capture race. Well, the first thing is to have, to have people believe you're not a, that you're a good faith actor, that you're trying to do the right thing. And I think, Shannon, what's happening is the governor, particularly the optics, I mean, the optics were terrible, right? The optics, I mean, six, six white men in a in behind closed doors signing something while a black woman bangs on the door and gets arrested by two white cops. What just the optics are terrible. And again, you're a governor of a state, you should know better. So that was my point. My point, Shannon, is even if it does nothing to stop voting, it will, because we're not touching the emotional aspect of it, if that makes sense. So, all right. Um, Joe says, as for the last election, it's BS that Biden got 80 million votes, but I do believe Trump, whoopsie, Trump, whoopsie, Trump, they get 76 million. There we go. See, people believe what they believe. That's it. That's it. Done. So Joe says, Florida passed an anti-gerrymandering constitutional amendment. Guess if districts in Florida are gerrymandered. I don't know. I didn't get the rest of that. So I think we should do that. I think we should. Voter ID is the ABC of voting in this country. Needing an ID to vote is not that difficult and, and demanding too much. Many states already have it. And, and this is my point from earlier, Avi. It isn't, it isn't that voter ID is crazy. Jersey has it. It's not like it's crazy. It's the feeling behind it. It's what I, I people keep falling back to the logic. But it's this. But it's that. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. It is the, it's the optics of it. It's the emo politics is emotional. It just is. I know some people go that. Why aren't these people understanding the logic? Cause it's emotional. We have to add that piece. If we don't add the piece of emotion, it just doesn't feel good. People don't like it. They rebel against it. It doesn't matter if it makes any, makes any sense, but I, I'm actually agreeing with you. I'm not against voter ID. I'm against the way that Georgia, the, the way that Georgia, the Georgia governor did it. He did it in a terrible way that just made things worse. But I'm not against voter ID. And you should be out there. There are people who will need IDs, right? And you got to get out there and touch that group. I don't know the, the person's name, but she goes by I share on Twitter. She's right. You have to go out there, do outreach and say, no, no, we want you to vote. You are an American citizen. Please come vote. Literally, some of these places you have to go to, you know, it's a dirt road. But do it. If you want to this happen, you can and you should. That's the piece. They want to see people come out there and go, hey, we care. Here's your idea. Here's your ID, Mabel. Here's your ID. We got one for you. You're good. When you got to vote, we got you. Show them this, and you're good. That's what we have to do. So um, let's see here. Without voter ID, what is up? Anyone that wants to vote multiple times, even in the woke people's brother California, they demanded voter signature, ID verification, the validate recall. Some of them demand ID for the president or governor. Pathetic. But that's my my point, right? It is emotional, Bobby. No, thank you. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying you can't do it this way and expect to get no backlash. You can't do it that way and expect people to just go, okay, it, it doesn't work that way. It just it doesn't. So Barbara says, they are trying to suppress black and brown voting. Can blacks and brown elderly or disabled get rides to pick up and supply a bottle of water for them getting the lines? Yeah, see, that's the other issue, right, Barbara? For For many elderly, particularly those of color, but many elderly, they often get bus rides. This is a, this is a thing, right? Um, often by a church or local civic association, there'll be a bus that'll come out to the rural areas and pick up the elderly people, drive them all down. Now, are they trying to get them to vote a certain way? 
of course, of course, right? So there is electioneering, but that's not against the law. As long as you're not a certain, you know, feet away or, or close to the, the, the actual polling station, you can go outside and yell, vote for my guy, vote for my gal all day long, as long as you're far enough away from the polling station. So it's legal to get on the, you know, Democrat or Republican bus, whatever that bus is, be nice if it's a libertarian bus, whatever that bus is, and they get them all on and they drive them all down. Now, just because you're on a Democrat bus, does that mean you have to vote Democrat? Of course not, right? You're in a Republican bus, you got to vote Republican. Of course not. But the odds are, if you're on the Republican bus, you're going to vote Republican. If you're on a Democrat bus, you're going to vote Democrat. That's the odds. We all get that. And I'm actually okay, right? I'm actually okay with that idea completely. But your point's even more valid. Now, the people who have the bus can't have water there to give out. It's, it's this is a t that should not even be in the bill. The idea of people electioneering is dumb. It's not a problem at all. Barbara, you're correct. They should have pulled it out a long time ago. That just that is actually going to be worse than the voter ID piece. The idea that you can't just pick up these elderly people and have them come in and vote. I, I don't care if you don't like elderly people voting. They're citizens. They get to vote. They don't want to vote up to them, but they get to vote. That's how it works. I think your 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 point's a valid one. Um. I share on Twitter it says HR1 needs to be fixed. It makes it harder for third parties in the ballot. Yes, of course it does. And it makes sure that now we can get, you know, taxpayers to pay for elections. Because what could go wrong with that? They keep making rules to try to make, to get money out of politics. And all that happens is more money in politics. It's like the war on money in politics creates more more money in politics. The war on drugs makes more drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have a war on third parties. Maybe we'll have more third parties. That'd be nice. But I completely agree. You're, you're right. Yes. Um, let's see if I can grab this here. Andrea says, taking the power away from the states, not sure this is a good idea. I think the states need to make the decisions as long as the rules are constitutional. Gerrymandering is a huge problem. That's you, You've hit my point perfectly, Andrea. Right? The gerrymandering piece, I think, is unconstitutional. Because it's almost always, I cannot think of any time when it isn't based on at least one, if not all three of these things, race, class, and party, right? Why else do you gerrymander? It's either race or class or party or some combination. That's how it's been, right? It's not as much race now. It was back in the day. Obviously, it was heavily based on race back in the day. Now, not as much, but still, but clearly class and clearly party. That's obvious why you gerrymander, right? Those two are clear why you do that. So it's absolutely unconstitutional. I don't have a problem with the federal government stepping in and stopping it. And I really think the Supreme Court should have just said, stop it. It's unconstitutional. What are you doing? It's only hurting us. It's that there is no gain to it except for pain. It just hurts us. So you got to stop it. And in this case, it seems obvious to me that gerrymandering isn't neutral even. It is causing harm. And we should have stopped it a long time ago. 100%. Yes. How can we expect the government to respect the individual sovereignty when they can't respect the state sovereignty? Interesting question. I'm not, mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that logic. Lyndon, I'm not sure that logic flows. Maybe. I mean, I, I see where you're going with it. Like, if they can't get the state, I can get the person. But state government and federal government are just two parts of the same church. 
the individual is not part of that, right? Once you start saying, I don't like government, you become a heretic. States go, I love government. I just love my own government. See, I like our local government. This is the idea where I say a state gets upset because the federal government's robbing from its citizens. And it says, I can't be coming here robbing my citizens. They're my citizens. I rob them. But it's still about robbing, right? So it's not like they want to stop the government. Not they want to stop the citizens from being robbed. This would make sure if you're getting robbed, it's by the right people. I mean, that's so I'm torn on that one. I see where you're going with. I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on that one. So um, Pete says, get ready to show your vaccine passport everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think by May, that will be a normal thing in New York State. I'm hoping it won't be. The problem is you don't have any other answer. And then once it's New York State, it's going to cross over. And the repercussions for this. You know, I, I brought this up last year and no one seemed to believe me. Well, some of you did because you're paying attention to me, but most people didn't. I said these, the, res- the government response to COVID will be as bad as 9-11. And I mean that seriously. The government response to COVID will be, at, will be worse than 9-11. 9-11, while it was terrible for us, the economic devastation was much more localized here in New York than, than the rest of the country. It affected the rest of the country too, but it was much more localized, the economic destruction. And it was virtually, you know, compared to what's happening now, it was short-lived. We rebuilt relatively quickly. Within six months to a year, New York City was kind of back in action. The rest of the, of the country came to us and helped and assisted. So there was nothing we could do. This is far more pervasive. So much of our country has been devastated. There isn't anyone else to help out. Like, I can't say, hey, guys from Massachusetts, come help us out. They're screwed too. So like everybody's battered tremendously. So isn't that much to help out others, number one. Number two, it's self-inflicted, which, which makes it worse. Right? We did it to ourselves. It's self-inflicted, even worse. And it's going to last for a long time. The government didn't physically... When it came to 9-11, a lot of people stayed home because they were afraid, individually decided to stay home. Companies shut down because they physically had no place to go. The, the, you know, the downtown Manhattan was shut down physically. You couldn't go to work, right? It was impossible. In this case, the government just said nobody goes, depending on where you live. This is this the damage done to us as a nation. Historians will look back at this 100 years from now whatever the time is. And they will look back at this and go in the past, in, at the, in the 20th century, you know, two or three things really affected America. And then in the 21st century, two or three things affected America. In the 20th century, they're going to say things like the depression, World War II, and the Vietnam War. Those are three big ones that affected America tremendously, that really changed American culture. This century so far, 9-11, COVID. Those are the two that are changing who we are as, as, as a nation, changing our culture, changing our government. And in each case, what did it mean? More and more government control and a pushback of the individual. Absolutely. So, all right. Um, Charlie says, Ray, gerrymandering. Should we move to A, some sort of automated districting algorithm as shall exist, or B, the so-called Wyoming rule with a state with the smallest population is the standard district. The state with the smallest population 
is the standard district. So you're saying whatever is the smallest unit, that becomes the district? Huh. If I had to pick one of those two, I would rather go with an algorithm. But the issue I have about the algorithm always is it can't be one company ever. You know, I learned in the Marine Corps when I, I spent some time in intelligence and I spent some time uh, dealing with some secret things. I don't, I, that's as far as I'll go. So I spent a short time doing that in, in, in two different arenas. And when I learned during that time, whenever you deal with any type of documents or items or materiel, um, there's always a thing called two-man integrity. No one can ever be alone with it. There's always at least two people there. And I, I know it sounds like a sexist term. I apologize for the sexist term, two-man integrity. But this was the 80s when I was in Marine Corps. And if it's the ground side, there were only men. They, 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 there were no women on the ground side of the Marine Corps in the 80s. It didn't exist. It was only men. So therefore, it was called two-man integrity. And that's where I learned that. So if you do that, Charlie, I like the algorithm idea, but we got to have at least two companies that can easily see it, open, look at it, inspect it. We need full transparency. Too easy to, to scam on something like that. So we have integrity. I like the idea. It, at least it's a saying in sales. A lot of times when, when it comes to compensation, usually your sales force, those of you in business know this, is the most complicated form of compensation because it's based upon whether they're selling or what they're selling or how they're selling or what closes and what does it. And then do we give money, whether they go out, do we give travel, do we give expenses? What do we do? So very often the sales force is the most complicated part of all of your compensation for your employees, very often. But I tell people the same thing all the time. When you're making uh, a sales force compensation plan, it is always better for it to be simple than it is to be fair. And people laugh when I say that. I say, yeah. I said, I'd rather it be simple than be fair. Err on the side of simple than on the side of being fair. And you might say, Larry, don't you want fair compensation? <clears throat> Excuse me. I do. But if it's not simple and people can't understand it, easy to scam, number one. If you're smart, you'll scam through it because you're figuring everything out. And you know how to scam every piece. And number two, if people don't get it, they will believe they're cheated, whether they are or aren't, because they don't get it. So they'll think they're being cheated. So you have people who are going to think they're being cheated, and the savvy people will get around it. If you have a simple one that may not be as fair, then they will then petition to change it. But they'll put it, they'll say, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. This is no no no. We got to change this thing. I don't like the way it goes. But they won't feel cheated because they'll understand why they're not getting paid or what's what they'll get it. They'll look at it and go, aha. That's my problem. Let's fix this. So simplicity is key and transparency is key so that everybody understands it. So I, I prefer the, the algorithm piece as long as it is both simple and people understand it. Sorry, simple and transparent. Thank you for that, Charlie. I appreciate that. Yes. The Fed government should never control elections. It's not their job. It was intended for the states to run elections. 100% true, Jimmy. The only time I think that the government, the federal government should step in is when someone's rights are being violated, right? Then the federal government should absolutely step in. Otherwise, I'm with you. But this goes to my earlier point from last year. Last year, state government said, Jimmy, you can't go to work. Jimmy, you don't get to do this unless I tell you to. You can't make a living unless I tell you to. That's what governments did. And the vast amount of Americans went, okay, can I go out now? I can't, okay, I'm gonna stay home. 
Can I go out now? Okay, now I'm staying home. Oh, can I go now? Okay, I'll go. The vast majority of Americans did that, saying that government can do whatever it wants. Why can't the federal government do this? It is a natural progression. As much as I hate it, and I agree with you, it's a natural progression. But there's another part here which people don't get. A lot of people say, well, Larry, aren't you happy when there's gridlock in a state or gridlock in the country? Then nothing can get done. Yeah, right? We can't pass bad laws. That might be true in theory, but it's not true in practice. What happens in practice? The governor or the executive, the president, just starts writing laws, executive orders. They just start writing laws, executive order, executive order, executive order. And now the church, the church, it is a church. But now the court has to get involved. Why? Because the legislation won't do its own job. So if the states don't do their own job, well, then the federal government steps in. And my whole point about this is you have two sides, Jimmy. You got one side that says it's all rigged. Uh, it can easily be cheated. People are voting two, three times. Dead people are voting. It's a rigged system. They don't trust it. Tens of millions of Americans believe that. And another side that say that all they're doing, they're suppressing the vote. They don't want black and brown people to vote. Total suppression. Um, that's They're cheating to win. So I got two sides who are yelling the opposite. Who's dealing with that? Nobody. So what happens? The federal government steps in. I've been talking about this a while. Thank you, Jimmy. I, I could walk down this road because of what you just said. People have asked me when they've heard me say that the country's been moving left for many years now, a couple decades. It's been moving left faster since 2008. And people say, Larry, why is the country going left? It's, it's the crazy mainstream media. That isn't the reason. I mean, there are many reasons. That's not the only reason. The biggest reason why the country's been moving left is because of urbanization. What does that mean? Since 2008, and for years before, but 2008, that crash was a turning point when it came to urbanization. Since 2008, 80% of all new jobs have come out of 20 American cities. So what happens? You need opportunity, you rush to a city. That's what you do. And many people have been doing that, rushing to cities. Cities have been growing, getting bigger, metropolitan areas getting larger. And as you get larger, what happens? You get a lot of people who come from rural or suburban areas, and then they live in a city. New York City is a perfect example of this. Uh, some of you who know this, one third of people who live in New York City were not born in the country. Another one third were not born in the city. That's how many people come to New York City to work. Just riding on the subways prior to COVID, on the subways and the MTA and the buses, the MTA system, the whole system, four million people. Many of them coming from outside of New York City. So those who live in New York City, 8.5, Plus others coming in. Over a million are coming in and out to work, right? Are coming in and out. Isn't that crazy? That wave coming in the morning and going back in the evening afternoon. So with all of that happening, we have problems. People who've been here for three weeks, people who've been here for 30 years, different languages, different culture, different backgrounds. We have problems, different expectations, different income levels. So we get upset and get mad at each other. And when we get mad at each other, what do we do? We beg for a referee. Who's referee in this case? Government. We beg for referee. We have people fighting on both sides. We beg for referee. And at the and at the ref at people fighting at the state level, you beg for referee. The federal government. It's human nature. It's why many people, as they move into cities, become more and more left. There are other reasons too, obviously, but that's a big one why they begin to turn and convert and become you know more left as a general rule. They ask for referee. They're lost. They want a solution. You're going to hear me say this all the time, and I keep saying it. 
People want to solve their problems. They don't want freedom. They want their problem solved. If we can show them that freedom is the way, they'll happily take freedom. If we can show them that a benevolent dictator is the way, they'll take that too. They just want their problem solved. So yes, you are correct. And it's still going that way, not because of the constitution, because of human nature. So, all right, let me grab a couple of these here if I can. Sam says, if we move from election day to election week or month, wouldn't this make it possible to vote in multiple districts or re-register based on polls to swing close elections? Another issue, right? Your, your point's a valid one, Sam. People who are afraid of election fraud have valid concerns. And people who say, I can't get off work to vote have valid concerns. These are both valid concerns. You're telling me we can't find the right answer? It's impossible to find the right answer for this? Of course we can. Sam, we don't want to, right? The idea that the Georgia, one of the, uh, the rules in Georgia law was something like um, the polls close at five or something like that, or, or something like that. Look, that's going to cut down on people voting. The, 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 the wealthy person or the entrepreneur can just take time off. Easy day. Generally speaking, if you're middle class, you generally can. But when you're hustling and you're getting paid by the hour, and your boss is gonna fight you or not pay you when you're not working, and you're gonna stand in line for six, seven, eight hours, and that's that's a thing in Georgia. You gotta stand in line for six hours, you can lose your whole day. Are you gonna lose your whole day's pay to vote in a gerrymandered district that you think you know the outcome already? It's it's a valid issue, right? I mean, I would rather them just do one day and make it like 24 hours and then not allow people to to re-register, you know, as something else until until the day before or the day of, or the day of maybe, something like that. So yeah, I agree, you are increasing the odds. But the other issue is, how bad is it? Are you gonna have some people getting upset? Yeah, of course. Are you gonna have some people vote twice or do something? Yeah, probably, I, I would assume. The question is how bad? I mean, can you stop all fraud? No, if you can keep fraud down to, you know, Less less than a hundredth of a percent. World's not going to end. That sounds terrible, but I'm speaking forward. I see your point, Sam. Um, do you really want to go election week? I think you can if you have the right systems in place. But we're not doing that. We're we're virtue signaling to each side. We're not actually solving a problem. In theory, you could have a week long. Of course, you could. In theory, you could have one day long. Of course, you. They're all possible. The question is, how do you create a system behind it to make it make sense so you can have both fair and safe elections? There's the hard part. 29 children, uh, trillion is a scare idea, Andrea. Yes, it is, but it's happening. Absolutely. Joe says it's 150 feet from election door entrance. Thank you. That's what it is. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yes. Um, Joe then says, long lives in Florida during summer primaries where older folks vote. 100%, yes, uh, it is a problem. Uh, yes, it's a problem. Florida won't allow you to live off the grid and it's illegal to feed homeless people. Yeah, New York has similar issues too. I, I agree, you know, they will get, you'll get in trouble for that. You can't live off the grid. Why? They can't control you and people aren't saying anything and you can't feed homeless people. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're just gonna go off and give a sandwich to a homeless guy, is it probably a good idea? Probably not, because you really haven't helped him. I mean, the, for the day, but you haven't helped him. But so what? It should be legal. That's my opinion. If you can open up a soup kitchen, that's a really good idea. 
That is real help. That really helps. I would rather you open a soup kitchen. Now, clearly, Shelly, not everyone can open up a soup kitchen. If you want to give us a, a homeless guy a sandwich, I get it. But I'm just saying, are you really helping a guy? Open a soup kitchen so now that guy knows he can always get a meal there. Now we can start rethinking his life. He gets a sandwich today. Is he getting one tomorrow? Maybe. Maybe not. Right? I don't know. But if you got a soup kitchen, okay, there's my meals. I'm good. I can get, I now I can rethink my life. And if he's going to get himself together, he can. If he's not, he's not anyway, if he's not. But if he is, he's got a shot. So I get why they do it. It's still wrong, right? I agree. Just because I agree with the logic doesn't mean it should be illegal. And I think that's the biggest issue we hear all the time. We, we, we say all the time, well, doesn't it make sense to do that? It might. Does that mean it should be a law? No. Those two things don't always match. I do think it's not productive to just give a random guy a sandwich. I think that's not productive. So it's your sandwich. If you want to give him the sandwich, give him the sandwich. It's fine. I'd rather you help somebody else open up a permanent solution that would actually make things better for everybody, for everyone who's homeless. I'd rather you do that. But it's not my money. So I don't get to decide, Jelly, what you do with your money. Give your sandwich who you want to give your sandwich to. So, by the way, I hope you guys do help make soup kitchens. They're actually pretty cool. So, anyway. So, um, uh, John says, so my former voting precinct had a real estate company sponsoring bottled water in Florida. What a great idea. I look, look at that. Love that concept. I love that. That's pretty cool. Um, I share on Twitter says, I've never had to wait on a line to vote. India gives water and snacks to encourage voter turnout. Yeah, and I think if you find John, if you follow John's point, you could even sponsor it, right? You could, in theory, are you telling me there's nobody who would love to have an older population have to sit there, <laughs> literally sit there and stare at their signs or shows or something for however long they stay? Of course they would. Absolutely. Right? You're whatever, Walmart, you're, you're AARP. Oh, my God. Right? Wouldn't you want to have a, a rep out there with a T-shirt that says, AARP is awesome. Here's AARP water. I think it's a wonderful idea. I love the idea of giving out the water and the snacks. And I don't mind using John's idea and having local businesses sponsor it. What a wonderful idea. But with George's silly law on the water thing, that's a dumb law. That, that shouldn't exist. Uh, encourage people to vote, I agree, and allow people to, to make some extra cash here. And I know you you very often hear me talk about, well, Larry, you just always about you know letting business advertise. Yes. Yes. Particularly local businesses. Yes. If you've ever run a business, and I'm sure many of you who are watching have done so, it's really hard to know what advertising works and what advertising doesn't. It's easier now with the, the tools you have online, it's easier, but it's still tough. It's difficult to know exactly what's hitting and exactly what's not and what's actually getting you this. It's easier, but if you want to really find out the details, you have to pay an expert or become an expert. That's it. And if you're an expert at what you do, how you can be an expert at marketing too? Unless your job is marketing, obviously. But it's hard. So here's another opportunity for people to have face-to-face -face with people or mask to mask if the people are older and afraid. Absolutely. So yes. Um, all right. I keep going here. Um, I actually do not like the answers provided and do not agree with this test. Um, I'm not sure where that was. Was it the test I was talking about? I'm not sure. Maybe. So speaking of that, thank you for that, Griffin. I'll, I'll bring that up. Guys, help me out. 
take the censorship and free speech survey. I think Griffin didn't like it. Tell me if he's right or wrong. Take the test. Click that link. It's in the description. Click the link in the description. Go there. Take the survey. Finish the survey. And then share it. Tell people what you think about censorship and free speech. What's important to you? What isn't? Right? These things are, are, are good. This is the advocates.org. They are my sponsor. I have a couple of sponsors. They're one of them. And I would like you to support them. It's easy and it's free. It takes about five minutes to finish the test, the survey. Take that test. And that would be amazing. Now, if you say, Larry, I, I would like to. But you know what? I don't got time for that. No worries. If you don't got time, that means you got money because you're so busy working. I love it. You got so much money. I love it. Take that money. Give some of it to me. Patreon.com slash Sharpway. Throw me 10 bucks a month, 25 bucks a month, whatever you can swing. If you got those big Biden bucks, throw a bunch of them at me. I love that. I'll take it and I'll keep moving this forward. If you like what I'm doing, you want me to keep doing it, I will. You see me doing it. I will absolutely do it. Every Monday, we're still doing an AMA. And then during the week, we're having cool guests and doing reactions to things that are going on. I'll keep doing it, please. Either throw me 10 or 25 bucks a month on patreon.com slash shortway. That link is also in the description. Or if that's something you can't do, no worries. Head over to the censorship and free speech survey. That's the link right there. The link is in the description. Click that link and then take that survey. About five minutes. Share it. Finish it and share it. Everybody's happy. And at a minimum, like, comment, share. Like and comment and share always makes things better for the show. Thank you so much. So I, I think Griffin didn't like a test, but, you know, maybe not. So, yes. All right, so I grab a couple of these here. Um, Tom says, victimless crime was illustrated very well in Georgia. Knocking on a door is a felony in Georgia. Yeah, I know. They're really getting, they're really getting bad, right? They're, it's, it's your, your crime is being a heretic, not actually hurting anyone, right? Your crime is always against the state or against what they say. It is, it's really a problem. Yes. So, all right, um, let's see here. Joe says, a government problem, hey, we're losing money on gas tanks tax because we need electric cars. They fix, hey, let's fix tax people on how many miles you drive. Not sure what I'm going, Joe. I think you're saying that if you lose tax money on gas, you then tax how many miles you drive. Yeah, I think that is the kind of thing they do, absolutely, because the taxes aren't actually the pay for the problem. The taxes all go to a general fund. They all go to keep running the government. So everything becomes a money grab. That's a common problem. Absolutely. Of course. Yes. All right. Mm -mm. The GOP needs to do a better job of reaching out to minorities rather than just saying racism doesn't exist. I agree completely. However, you know, people are talking about that. They're saying, why did so many more black and brown conservatives vote for Trump than before? And it's going to sound odd, but... I think it's true. I think the data right now is showing what actually happened. There weren't there aren't more black or brown conservatives, but there are more black or brown conservatives who used to vote Democrat who finally chose to vote Republican. That's the idea of the um uh what's it the walk away campaign, right? Welcome to the Democratic Party, black and brown. It was very well done, and a lot of people who are black and brown got it, and the conservatives decided to leave. As I've you heard me say before, there are many, you know, black conservatives who for decades have voted Democrat, but they're conservative. They vote Democrat because the feeling has been Republicans don't care about me because Republicans have not done a good job of reaching out. So the, the feeling is they don't care about me. I just vote Democrat, even though I'm conservative. They vote Democrat anyway. That was a common issue. Less of them did it this time. 
more of them actually voted uh, actually Republican this time than ever before. Trump got a big chunk of minority voters. But it, again, it wasn't because more it wasn't because more black and brown people became conservative. They were already conservative. They decided, you know what? And this is going to sound odd to some of you. But I've been saying this for years now, about two years now, give or take. The Democratic Party is going out of its way to alienate. And that really came true this last year. And since the election, oh, my God, the Democratic Party is going out of its way to alienate. It is not consolidating power. It is alienating. There's no tomorrow. We made a similar problem after the Cold War. When the when Cold War One ended and Cold War II we're now in, but when Cold War One ended and USSR fell and we won the Cold War, we did not do a good job of consolidating. We did not do a good job of unifying, putting our hand out, trying to make sure that the the, the former Soviet republics became all American allies and and the Russia became an American ally and all those things. No, we didn't do the job at all. And now with Cold War II against China, when before China was Russia's ally, now Russia's China's ally. That's our fault. We did, And now the Republican Party, Democratic Party doing it right now. Democratic Party just won the election, is not doing a good job of putting their hand out and consolidating. That's not happening. I, I think, and the Republican Party is, Republican Party is not doing better at reaching out to minorities. It, is, it isn't. It's not doing a good job at all. Um, Trump did a decent job to be fair. I know it sounds some of you think that's crazy, but he actually did a decent job because he wasn't a typical conservative. He just was like, I'm gonna make black people rich. That's basically was Trump's whole concept. You're black, I make you rich. You got you got a job. See that? I'm I'm supporting you. Find someone else who says that. I'm being forward. Find someone else who says that. It's hard, it's hard to find. Um, USF fan says, great job doing this so much, Larry Keeper. Thank you, my friend. I do this every day and I do others. I, I produce about eight to 10 hours of live content every single week. I just keep doing it. So I know it sounds crazy, right? Because I'm crazy, I guess. Lyndon says, I turned someone into libertarians. I turned someone on to libertarians this weekend. He was one, just didn't know about us. Now he does. I told him about your work, Larry. Thank you, Linda. Thank you so much. One person at a time, we keep going. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Chuck says, I guess the same people they insult by insinuating they can't obtain ID aren't vaccinated required to get vaccinated. Chuck, I think you've, you've hit exactly what I was talking about. When we care about the elderly in rural communities getting vaccinated, we go out to them. It's what, what we do. Most of the time, these are local civic and or church affiliations, but sometimes government, but it's very often a local civic or religious association that will go out and get Mabel and bring her or take the doctor or the nurse or the practitioner to the people to do the vaccinations. That's what happens. It's very common. So when they do it, they go ahead and do it. Why aren't they then saying, okay, I'm here. So let me get you the voter ID. I think you're exactly what we talk about, Chuck. If we're going to make the voter ID laws, which I'm okay with, understand you have people who are scared and worried or whatever, have emotional issues with it. Okay, go reach out to them. If you went and gave them a vaccine, you can go give them ID too. You can give them an ID. Absolutely. I think if you, the reach out part is, is the part that's lacking. That's the problem that's failing. 
Um, Brian says 62% of the eligible voters turned out in 2020, 54.8 in 2016, 53.8 in 2012, 57.1 in 2008. Look at that. There we go. Powerful personalities pull people out, right? You think so? Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. But yeah, a lot of people voted. 60%. That's not bad in America. That's not bad at all. So, yes. All right. Um, let's see if I keep going here. Sean says, what do you think about using allocations from the CARES Act to pay off New York's financial debts, labeled as principal forgiveness? I think that was the whole plan, Sean. I hate it. I've expressed how much I hate it, but I told you, well, not you specifically, unless you were listening. I mentioned to the audience that this was the entire plan, right? The whole idea was to get money from the federal government to pay off the horrible debt that New York State had. New York State, before COVID, had a $6 billion deficit before COVID. Now the governor is lying and telling us it's like $15 billion. It's more like $50 billion. Minus the X billion that he'll pay off, you know, from, from the check he got from Uncle Joe. So now it's like, whatever, 35, 40 billion, something like that. It's still massive. Um, I think it's a terrible idea. It's just putting a Band-Aid over a horrible system. We have to fix the system. You can't save your way out of, you know, save your way to success. You have to grow your way to success. And the one thing we don't find in New York, the country in general, is there's no growth plan. There's no plan to encourage growth. The best thing to do is, well, put money into schools. That doesn't encourage growth. Well, build more infrastructure. That doesn't encourage growth. You're supposed to build schools. You're supposed to build infrastructure. The best you do is get up to where we expect it, and it's not even there. That's not going to encourage growth. That's going to be like, about time. That's what's going to happen. If we actually had roads that weren't full of potholes, we'd say, about time. We wouldn't say, oh, my God, now I'm going to open the trucking business. That's not what would happen. So you have to do something special, not just keep not just keep things status quo. So I would rather not. When I was running for governor in, in 2018, people asked, they said, Larry, how are you going to pay the debt off? And I said, the debt then I think was like 400 billion or something like that. I don't remember. The, it was something like that back when I was running. Obviously, it's a lot higher now. But I said, it's a great question. What I want to do is actually hold off on paying the debt for the first four years. And so the paternity like, what? How would you not want to, you know, service the debt? And I said, no, no, I'll service the debt. I don't want to pay the debt off right away because I want to restructure New York to where it's a machine that actually makes money, that generates money through other ways other than taxation, that's able to actually have a surplus and produce a surplus and give a surplus down to the actual counties so the counties don't have, you know, mandatory, mandatory um, um, I'm sorry, unfunded mandates. Without unfunded mandates, the counties will make a bit extra cash. Now they can build their own infrastructure. And now we get more revenue based upon more people coming here. And now the machine's working. And then my whole plan was to pay off the debt after the, the next four years because we have the machine running. So paying off debt to not build your machine, what a waste. I remember um, I used to have a conversation with an old business coach of mine we should talk with. And we were chatting about stuff. And one of the things we agreed upon was how many entrepreneurs, particularly those who used to be employees, don't understand how to invest appropriately for the future. And I mean, in your business. And one of the exercises he used to do was an exercise where he would say, okay, you small business owner, um, you just got $100,000. 
That's after taxes. Here's your hundred grand, small business owner. What are you going to do with it? Here it is. And we both found when we would do some version of this, some story we talk about, we both found the same thing. Most people, most small business owners would invest very little of that in, in future marketing. Most of them would do things like, I'll pay off some of my debt or I'll buy some extras for a rainy day, which are not bad things. These are not bad things. But then a year from now, you're in the same spot. You have to invest for the future. And I think that's the first step. I don't like just paying off this. I think what I want to do is I want to start to invest in New York State so that it actually is growing. That's what I think. So there we go. All right. So if I can grab this here, if I could here. Um, Joe says, correct, Larry. Both of us go to jail at the protest. Um, if, if, if only I make the threat. Wow. Peaceful Larry goes to jail too. Look at that. We all go to jail. Oh. Horrible. Yes. Um, COVID passports are a legitimate hill that libertarians can die on. Um, that's a tough one. M.W. Cox. Or is it Knox? M.W. Knox. Um, that's a tough one. Because who do you want to fight? This has been slick. The, the COVID passports, it's very slick. It's not mandatory. So the government isn't forcing you to do it. So you, it's tough to, to fight the government on this one because they go, well, we're not forcing you. It's up to you. Venues can use it if they want to. It's a hard battle to fight. Who do you fight? The venues. Who do you fight? The people who are using it. That's a hill I might want to die on, right? I might want to say, if for, for, I hate to say this, but if the Yankees, Yankee Stadium uses it, then I don't go to any Yankee games. I might do that, right? Like I might do that kind of thing. That is a hill that makes sense at least because then I go, wait a minute. We, if we, if we use this as a barrier to entry, then we can't make any money. I'm not using it as a barrier to entry. You might say, Larry, that's dumb. Of course it would. I'll give you an ex actual example of this. About 20 years ago, and I hope this is going to be clear for you what I mean by this. About 20 years ago, I worked for a company that I was a sales rep for a company that sold pre-employment screenings and background investigations to companies to check their people, right? Before you hire someone, you do a background investigation, all that stuff, right? So you do the whole thing. And we'd find, we thought that a company like Franchise McDonald's would love this. We could do it relatively cheap for them, do a background check, see if you got a criminal, or whatever the case may be. So no terrible credit, you want to put them in charge of the cash register, stuff like that. And we find many of them going, no, no, I don't want it. So what? No, no, we don't want it. You don't want to know. If you got criminals working for you and a, and a guy on the franchise will go, yeah, you're right. I don't want to know because if I use this as a barrier to hiring, I won't have a store. I won't have anybody working because I can't get people. So I'll have no one in my store. So I don't have a store. So I'd rather just hire them because if I know that they're criminals, I get sued. If I know they're criminals, I have to act. So I don't want to know. Hire them. Whatever happens, happens. Otherwise, I don't have a store. They might say, wow, Larry, that sounds crazy. Now, that was common. I don't know if that's still common. That was 20 years ago, but that was common then. So what does that mean? I know that businesses want customers. They'll put the passport away if no customers come. That's the way you die on the hill. That's That will actually work. But getting mad at shaking your fist at government, government doesn't care. You think, you think the New York State Assembly cares? That's a battle you can't win. That's how you're going to die on and nothing's going to change. They're going to roll over you.
take that hill. But if you fight in the, on the venues, that's a battle we can win. That's a battle we can win, and we can they actually turn. And if they turn, if, if venues don't use it and no one uses it, then it becomes useless. That's the place to fight. I hope that makes sense at least. So, all right. Um, let's see. If it raises fees for third parties in some states for 25K to 5K, doesn't it? I think that wasn't for me because I'm actually unsure about that. So I don't really know. Maybe it does. I don't really know. Yes. All right. Um, let's see if I can keep going here. Social Security was designed to be a safety net for elderly in retirement. It was never intended to be a tracking device. Jimmy, well put. I think that's absolutely true, right? The government will use anything to track. That's a that's about what it is. I think the government will use anything to track. Absolutely. Yes. To include that. Yes. Um, John says, Biden is good at doing what he's told. He isn't empathetic. Poor kids just as bright and talented as white kids. <laughs> I remember that one. Yes. Um, I think he, mm, this, I'm, I'm with you on the good at what he's told. I've said this before, and a lot of people on the right were mad at me when I said it. Biden's not a socialist. Biden's a get-along guy. If he thinks socialism will, will, will get something with his name on it or he'll win, then he'll become socialist. But he personally isn't. He doesn't, he, that's, he doesn't care. He's a get he'd be a Republican if he thought it would work. I, he doesn't care. He just, he wanted to be president. It's his third run. It worked. He's president. Now he wants something with his name on it. So I think you're right at the doing what he's told. I agree. But I also think he's empathetic. I mean, the guy's had pain in his life. And when he starts talking about pain, I think it's real. I think he understands that. You know, poor kid just about his right kid thing. It's, you know, that's just him being a knucklehead. But I do think he's empathetic. You can be a knucklehead and still be empathetic. You can be. When, when he talks about pain, I feel maybe, maybe he's fooling me. John, you know what? Maybe because I know his past and I've had a lot of that pain too. Losing my father, losing my, my, my family. Maybe because of that, he's fooled me. It's possible. I'm just human. I have my own biases, so maybe I'm fooled. But I feel like he is empathetic. I agree with you completely in doing what he's told. I, I, I'm not sure he has a core, if that makes any sense. I'm unsure of that. I'm not sure he has a core. He might have a core, but if he has a core, is that important to him? If he has a core. So, yes. Thank you for that. All right. Um, let's see if I can grab this here. Um, Joel says, I don't need government's permission to vote. We need the ability to secure the vote without bottom the government. And this is what you hear me talk about always, and it bothers me so much, to where we're not trying to solve a problem. We're trying to virtue signal to our side. So if you're on the right, you go, shut it down. If you're on the left, you go, open it up. Instead of saying, let's make sure the maximum number of legal voters vote safely and securely. Why is that crazy? Because that solves a problem. And then I can't, you know, say, see, the other guy is evil. That's the problem. You know, that's the problem. Pete says, are the vaccine passports going to be yellow shit like a star and some of our clothes? You're trying to get me canceled, Pete, aren't you? I thought you were on my side. You are trying to get me canceled with that. I'm not touching that. <laughs> not touching that. Absolutely. It's easy to get a, a driver's license. Is that right? You for, is is a, a voter ID that hard? If it is, if it is, 
um, that hard to get an, an ID. Um, that has to change. I know New York City has IDs, and I know someone who got one literally walked in the door and got there to go. You don't know if it works anymore now with COVID. This is before COVID. So maybe the system's changed. But I remember when prior to the COVID lockdowns, she walked in the door, came out with one. It was a New York City valid ID, walked in, came out less than an hour. So it has been good. Maybe that's it. The new Jim Crow 2021. Barbara, this is exactly what people feel. It's not that bad, obviously. Clearly, it isn't that bad. Jim Crow was horrible. And that was my point. People lived through it. They remember how bad it was. And, and people who didn't live through it know the stories of their parents or grandparents who lived through it. So that is in their culture, right? I mean, I'm going to, since pizza can be canceled anyway, um, I mean, imagine if there was a, if, if there was a, um, you know, a hurricane or something horrible coming and now you're going to, you know, you're going to try to evacuate one of the, you know, Jewish neighborhoods in Brooklyn, large Hasidic Jewish Orthodox Jewish communities in Brooklyn. And you go, come on, Jewish community. We're going to take you to a special camp to protect you, get in this train. I think they would probably be like, you know what? No, I'm going to, I'm going to take my chance with the hurricane. I'm going to stay with, I'm going to stay in the hurricane. You keep a train. Uh, we'll see how the hurricane works. I'll try that instead. Now, is it the same? Of course not. But is that going to just make a visceral, emotional reaction? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. It makes total sense. Well, now you have this happening. And you have, you look at Barbara, she's got, what, that's that, like 12 exclamation points? You get a visceral emotional response. Of course you do. You live through it. It's part of your history, part of your culture. This really has to be done in a way that handles the emotion, that handles that part. And I think Biden is pretty empathetic, and I think he's failing at this. And he, he if anyone could have pulled this off, it would have been Biden. Biden could have pulled this off. He really could have. And he hasn't so far. And that's disappointing. That 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 bothers me that he has not pulled it off. And he could, if anybody could have, it, it would have been him. So um and Andrew says today is Vietnam War Veterans Day. Is that right? It pissed me off to no end that when my uncles and their fellow Vietnam War soldiers who fought in Vietnam came home and were spat upon. When I when I get told this, it makes me advocate highly for veterans to get better services. Yeah. And for those who don't know this, some of you will know that um, when you meet veterans who are Vietnam veterans, if you know they're Vietnam veterans, and I mean specifically for Vietnam, the phrase welcome home means a lot to them. Why? Because of what Andrew just said, most Vietnam veterans came home sporadically on jets. There was no parade. There was nothing. They came home. The amount of stories I heard of people, most of my, when I did, the, I did the Marine Corps in the 80s. So most of my senior leadership, they were Vietnam vets. So they would tell stories about, you know, they literally got off an airplane and was walking down, you know, in, in California and they had, you know, mud that was from Vietnam on their boots still. That is, you know, how it actually worked for them. And now all of a sudden they went from that fighting in the jungle and now all of a sudden they're back in California and it's like, okay, you're back, whatever. And then to Andrew's point, people spat at them, called them baby killers. Horrible. So telling a Vietnam vet, welcome home. It means they it tells that Vietnam vet, you get it. It tells it you get it. And you will see them. They they a Vietnam veteran will prefer that 
welcome home. I'm not every Vietnam vet, right? But particularly one who saw combat or saw a lot of a lot of bad stuff over there, they would actually prefer welcome home to um, thank you for your service. They actually prefer it because it shows you get them. So, and some of them feel terrible at their service. And the reason why they feel terrible is they lost someone over there or someone else came home and committed suicide and they have survivor's guilt. So they feel bad about themselves surviving. So some of them actually have survivor's guilt. So they would prefer welcome home to anything else. So Andrew, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, Bernard says, how can the LP reach out to those conservative minorities who voted for Trump? I think we try. I think we're trying to bring them across. We're trying to bring a lot of them over. But look, to be forward, Libertarian Party doesn't do a really good job of reaching out to minorities either. We're not good at it either, right? The Democrats have been good at it. They just have. They've been good at it. But now they're even eating their own. They're, they're so good at it, now they're eating their own. But Democrats have just been better. It's just true. And it makes some people who are on the right angry when I say it. It's, it's still accurate. They've been better. We have to learn from the Democrats and be better at it. And we just haven't been. We've been so worried about being correct and righteous and stopping the other. We haven't been open and saying, and I got to say it, it's going to sound crazy, but Trump did a decent job compared to other Republicans. And why? He just talked about, hey, black people, you want a job? I'm doing it. I'm getting you jobs. And they were like, he's right. He's getting us jobs. All right. Vote for him. It was that simple. It was it. We'll give you something. The outreach is important. So I think we have to get better at that. And what I try to do is show, some of you may have realized, I, I did, a, some of you care, I did an hour and a half session on poverty in general, but it was also focused on the black community also, black and brown communities also, but poverty in general at Queens College about a year and a half ago. If you can't put Larry Sharp, Queens College poverty in Google, it'll pop up. It's about an hour and a half long. It's, it's, it's a good talk on how to deal with poverty in general. That's outreach to a poor black community. What I also talk about, if you saw my other one I talked about, was my Juneteenth show uh, last June 19th. That was all about the effects of what happened in the black community from now until, I mean, from, from 1600s till today. We need to do more of that, right? And it's it's being empathetic. That's the answer. So Matt says, Larry, I missed the show with Robin Neely Live. Do you post what you schedule anywhere of guests you might have on? I don't. I get guests like very often the day before, um, very often. So I do have, I am going to be on a show and I'm going to probably going to, I'm probably going to stream that one tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow, uh, I'm streaming at 5 PM Eastern. I'll put it up later on. Um, I'm going to be on a show with, um, Vosh, who is a libertarian socialist, a very popular YouTuber. Um, we're going to be on, I think at five tomorrow. So there you go. You just got that. There's your, uh, there is your uh, uh, post on what I'm going to be on. But I try to put it out when I can, but I, I get guests on last minute very often. So I should be better at that. We'll work on a team. We could do that. We'd have to be able to have more people do that and have someone out booking guests a whole lot easier and faster if we had some more cash. So please support my sponsor, as I mentioned earlier. And if you throw some extra bucks, that would help too. So yes, thank you. Uh, let's see. Um, if I can do this again, um, you can't put a bandit in a pickle. I'm not sure where that comes from, but okay. <laughs> yes. Um, the New Yorkers I talked with this weekend didn't think Cuomo will make it through his term. I think he will. Um, he's strong. I mean, maybe not as possible, but 
He's the best at distraction that there's ever been. You've seen it. He's distracting everybody, right? The, who's talking about dead people in 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 uh, nursing homes? It's about these women that I grabbed. That's what it's about. Oh, it's about those guys. Who cares about that? It's about COVID passports. That's what matters. And then it's six down, and we've forgotten the worst things he's done. And yeah, I, I don't know. I guess he's trying to make sure that 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 um, investigation comes out. Well, I guess, but I don't know. Yes, I, I assume so. I'm not sure. Um, COVID passports aren't mandatory yet. Agreed. Um, and they probably won't be. If you remember, uh, about a year ago, I was very worried about mandating vaccines. I was very worried about it. And then after about a month or so, if you remember, I was like, no, I'm not worried anymore. I'm more about an actual mandate. I'm worried more about a soft mandate, which is what this is. This is a soft mandate, right? This is, it's, you don't have to, but if you don't, you kind of can't live. So that's the problem. If you don't do it, you can't live, but you don't have to. That, that's what we're dealing with now. That's a problem. So Jay says, how can libertarians convince non-voters to vote libertarian? Libertarians don't have good messengers. Um, many discredit us as radical anarchists. How do we get ourselves in the mainstream? I think by doing this, what I'm doing right now, this is the issue. People constantly think that they have to run. You don't have to run. It's good to run. And if you want to run, go ahead and run. It's just not required, right? What's required is you get you get out and talk to people. The most important thing that people want is they want their problem solved, right? You see, if you've taught libertarian theory at all, you hear what you you hear what we get trapped almost every time. Why people do it? You'll say something like, well, you know, government made this problem or that problem. They go, well, how would you fix it? They'll say that. And most libertarians have no answer. Their answer is a history lesson and then get government out of it and the market will take care of it. That's not an answer. That's rhetoric. And we need to be doing less rhetoric and more answers. If you noticed when you see me talking to people, interviewing people, chatting with people, if you see me at events, you've seen me talk, it is rare I ever bring up libertarian philosophy. Why? People don't care. So I don't bring it up. I bring up libertarian solutions. I say, see how this is failing? How about this idea? And I give ideas on how to make things better. In fact, I often do large videos on how to make things better, how to fix things constantly. I think that's the way of doing it. The more you, if you have a, a someone who doesn't vote, they don't vote because they think it doesn't matter. Otherwise they would vote. It's not that important. Why bother voting? You have to show them that it matters. And not just for this election, but in the future. If you show them, look, do you actually want to make impact? If they go, no, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's not going to work. Show them an answer. They go, I don't care about your answer. Walk away. They don't care. They're not going to vote. I got it. But if they go, yeah, I care. If, if there was an answer, then I would vote. Okay, let me show you one. And boom, show them an answer. And they go, oh, wow. Huh. That would work. It would. And if you want more answers like that, you got to vote libertarian. So that we become more popular and so that people hear us. And of course, the response is always, well, you're not going to win. And you go, okay, maybe I won't win. Most libertarians do lose. That's true. Some win, but most lose. That's true. But if we even come close to winning or get more votes, we become more serious in the eyes of the media, which means they'll listen to us. They will hear us and they'll hear our ideas. If they hear our ideas, they'll pick up some of them. They become more mainstream. And those things you like will might actually happen. And that's what we want. We're going to make things happen. I think that's how you do it, Jay. I hope that was clear. So, all right. Um, let's see if I can keep going here. 
John says they're talking about COVID passports for cruise lines, airlines, concert and sporting events. Looks like I'll be driving a lot. Yes, concerts I won't be attending, and the same with sports. I'm thinking the same thing, John. You know, I'm thinking I may just not go to those places. I, I think that's it. So we'll see. Paul says, hopefully there's significant pushback for vaccine passports. There was a huge outrage when Royal Cruise Lines announced they wanted to do something similar and then to walk it back. That's what I say all the time, guys. For you guys who don't live in New York, I say all the time, this is a battleground state. No, Larry, it's Florida and Pennsylvania. No, it's not. Those are battleground states for deciding whether the left or right will rule us for the next four years. That's true. But they're not battleground states when it comes to our freedom. The battleground states are New York and California. Those are the battleground states. That's it. New York doesn't have me. I'm sorry. Florida. I'm sorry. California doesn't have me. New York does. So I fight here in New York. If we can hold them here and in California, we hold them throughout the entire country. Right? Where do... Where do uh, vaccine passports come out first. New York, of course, of course, of course, they come out here first. And our governor's under attack. That didn't stop him. He was like, push forward, push forward. I'm under attack. Stay on target. Stay on target. He did not care. He's still going down. If we don't stop him here, it keeps going. We stop him here, it stops. So, yeah, I hope we have to walk it back. I'm unsure that that will happen, but I do hope so. I really do hope so. It would be great if it, if, if it actually, they get to walk it back. That would be amazing. So let's hope so. Um, Juan says, Larry, thoughts on the 1619 project? Um, sixteen nineteen project. It did, it blew a good opportunity is what it did. The 1619 Project, conceptually, the idea of saying that we should look at the birth of America from before 1776, that's a good idea. The way it was projected that everything was based upon the evil of slavery, that's a bad idea. There was an opportunity there that was lost, Juan. We should look at our country, product. Every, every other country does it, right? I've studied Japanese history, Chinese history. I've studied Russian history. And you will see all of them when they're teaching their own history, they teach before they became a nation, right? Japan will talk about, you know, you know, before they even had an emperor. They'll, they'll discuss these older periods and bring it all to the front and express their culture. They actually retain some of the culture up to this day from their old Jomon period, and that's sad that I remember that stuff. But the period, you know, from from you know several thousand years ago, the Chinese do it too. Before there was even a Qin dynasty, they go behind that. We should too. So the concept was a good concept. It just didn't go well. It it fell it fell down to white man bad. And sadly, the right often goes to when it comes to any race issue. Well, there's no racism, so black man bad. The left goes to oh everything's race, so white man bad. And when those two, when that's your basis of teaching, how how can it be good, right? If you want to deal with critical race theory, I'm not against a conversation on critical race theory. I'm not. If it's, I don't know, again, three PhDs in a, in a university, 
talking about the concepts of it, okay, have that conversation. It's a high level macro conversation about theory and stuff. Have it. That's awesome. But bringing that down to us in a day to day world, what a horrible idea. What a terrible idea. So when I think about this, the 1619 project, I think about an opportunity lost. It, it was a good opportunity to cover the act. The, why was a 1619 project even thought of? Because of all the things that happened negative in our country that was wa- have been washed over for decades. So instead of saying, you know what? Let's try to have an approach that does cover those things, discovers the background of it, and then the systems that came about from it, and then the systems that were set up to keep the wealthy in charge and the poor in check, which is what this really was about. It was about class, is what it was about, class. How do I do that? Would have been a great project. As you know, if you watched it, if you looked at it, that's not exactly what happened. Um, but I get why it happened. People saw it was missing and said, we have, we have to find an answer. And I think they simply overcompensated. It was It's an opportunity lost. If you try it again now, I don't think it will work now because of the 1619 project. We have to wait probably a generation before we try it again and do it a, a, a better way. There is a way, of, there's a way of making that work. Did I answer? I don't know. I, I, I was trying to be clear on it. I'm not against going back prior to 1776 and expressing the origins of our, of our country and why we are who we are and what happened. I'm not against bringing up the, the reality of what slavery was, the reality of what our Indian, our, our Native American um, past was. It's fine. Totally up, up, up. But we don't want to say now, see, everything now is relevant now because of it. That's the issue. So anyway, I hope that answers your question. So, all right. Um, let's see. Shelly says, I have friends who were called baby killers and spit on and parents with their children afraid of them. Yeah. I know. There, there were many people who stayed in the Marine Corps afterwards because they couldn't survive on the outside. They were Vietnam vets who got out and thought, oh, I'm going to get out of this, go home. And they felt like they don't belong. They felt horrible there. They re-upped because they felt safer and better in the military even when they were still doing Vietnam. So, yeah, absolutely. So, Brian says, I always kept keep it simple when I meet a Vietnam veteran. Um, I shake their hand, either say thank you or welcome home. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. W- welcome home is a positive thing. People like welcome home. They do. Yes. Uh, Paula says, even bad outreach is better than no outreach, I think. Agreed. Yes. You know, there. you got to think about this. The average black voter in America, America who is not beholden specifically to a party. As a general, Republicans don't really reach out to black voters because they think, why bother? I can't get them anyway. They vote 96% Democrat. Why bother? I'm not going to even waste my time. Next. And Democrats go, I get 96% of the vote. Why bother even pandering? I'll just ignore them until, you know, election time comes. And then I'll show up and try to, you know, pander in some way just to make sure they still show up. And that's kind of what's been happening. So I think if we if we outreach, they might go, wait a minute. Maybe they care about me. I do think um, it will work. Absolutely. I think it will work. 100%. So see if I can keep going on here, here. Um, what is a libertarian socialist? Um, they're, they're a thing. They absolutely are a thing. I know people laugh at that all the time. But yeah, 
absolutely. They're absolutely a thing. And I hope he will help me to explain it more. They're more the, the left side of the Libertarian Party. They are absolutely a thing. And they're much more focused on social issues than economic issues as a general rule. That's a general rule, not a 100% rule. They're, they're much more um, uh, focused on that. So hopefully we'll have a conversation. And hopefully he can answer that question for you. Maybe you can watch. Good. Anthony, libertarian socialist, oxymoron. Well, we'll see, won't we? See that? Let's not beat up some guy. We, he might have amazing things to say. Right? I hope he will. Be awesome. I, I hope so. Joe says, I spoke to a black female secretary of a neighboring county LP affiliate this weekend. I encourage her to run for office. To be fair, I encourage everyone to run for office. But libertarians have to show people like me are libertarians. I agree completely. Yes, I agree completely yes thank you joe that's great so um i made a post about libertarian socialists one time and got my head bit off they do exist yes they absolutely exist 100 they exist and look at the left side of our party we want them too right we don't want them just to go oh you guys are all republicans so we're leaving no i want the left coming over absolutely come on over left i want you please come over yes paula says uh, Cuomo was brilliant distraction. Yes. And he is no shame. So yes, please talk about the women. I hit on what old people I killed in rest homes. Look women I hit on. I'm so creepy. Yes. He'd rather, he'd rather be creepy than a murderer. I agree. Right. Being creepy is bad. Being a murderer way worse. If I got to, if those are my only two options, creepy guy or murderer, I'm going to go with creepy guy. Right. I mean, of course, absolutely. Now, this is identify more with um, Amish. Um, okay. There we go. Max, how are you, sir? Max says, join the Republican Party Liberty Caucus. That's how I've gotten elected and reelected. The state legislature voters say that they prefer us to establish Republicans. If you don't have a Libertarian Party in your area, Max's style's fine if you want to. My view, you know where I am. Libertarian. If you got Libertarians running... Run libertarian. Why? While you might get elected, and I agree, I agree with Max in the in the idea of being elected. Your odds of getting elected go up if you vote if you run libert if you run Republican or Democrat. That's true, depending upon your obviously depending upon your district. But your odds of making impact go down, and that's the worry, right? Because you're now beholden to that party. If you go against them, they're going to turn on you. It's how it works, and you also now. Democrats won't listen to you if you're a Republican. Republicans won't listen to you if you're a Democrat. So once you start, you know, being that Republican Liberty Caucus, and you, Democrats won't listen to you anymore. And that's an issue. So I think it's difficult. If you just want to win, I think that's correct. Max is right. Be a Republican or Democrat, depending upon where you, you live. If you live in New York City, the only way you win is Democrat. But you can make impact doing other things more as third party than you can as Republican in New York City. So again, depends upon where you are what makes sense. So I hope that was clear. So, all right. Um, uh, Vosh is a raging internet anarchist slash communist, a type who especially dislikes minority conservatives. I know you aren't conservative, but still good luck having a fruitful conversation. I say no to nobody. I'm happy to have them on. I hope it'll be a fun conversation. I hope it will. Um, hopefully it won't be, uh, you know, hopefully we, it, we won't go nuts. We'll be good to each other. I think we will. I, I think he's, the kind of guy who yells at people. I mean, maybe he is. I don't think he is. I don't know him well enough to be forward. I don't know Vouch well enough to know if he would like yell at me or something. I don't know him that well. Um, so from the few things I've seen, 
he seems to be calm and cool and collected, and he seems to you know make arguments and debate. He seems to be a, he seems to be a very savvy individual from what I see. So I'm assuming that we'll have a good conversation. That's the vibe I get from him. So I'm assuming he won't change because of me. Um, he's far bigger than I am when it comes to uh, internet presence. So I don't think he's going to want to go nuts. He has no as much value in beating me up. I mean, unless he just likes beating people up. So I don't think he is. We'll find out. We'll find out tomorrow. So there we go. Good either way. So, all right. Um, I'd rather vote my principles so I vote libertarian, even if the candidate doesn't have a chance of winning. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yes. I like that very much. Yes. Um, Matthew says, I did this survey. Since most of your listeners are probably libertarian, I wasn't shocked that the results were heavily slanted that way. Unfortunately, the country as a whole doesn't actually vote that way in practice. And I was mentioning that one of my shows uh, earlier this week, earlier this today, you know, libertarians are only about three to 4% of the population. We aren't that big part of the population. And even those people who are kind of closeted, maybe add another 10, 15% that are closeted. The rest are either neutral or Democrat, Republican, don't care who will vote for us sometimes, but actual libertarians, there aren't that many of us yet. We have work to do, right? We have a lot of work to do. So yeah, the more people see that, the better, right? The, the, the reason why I, I want you guys to share it, you may say, why do I want, to, want you to share it so much? Here's why. I want others to take it too. And if other people take it and they come up either moderate or libertarian, and by the way, some of you don't know this, the largest chunk of people take these tests actually come up moderate. About a third come up moderate and the rest is sporadic. But most come up actually come up moderate. If someone comes up moderate and they take it and they come up moderate and say they were a Democrat or they were, they were progressive or they were or conservative and they come up moderate, they start thinking, huh, maybe I'm not so beholden to the left or to the right, which opens them up to hearing us. So they don't even have to come up libertarian. Come up moderate. It's fine. Moderate works because now you're open. If you come up heavy uh, progressive or heavy conservative, maybe not so much. Depends. Maybe not so. Maybe not so open. But if you come up moderate or libertarian, now we got a shot. So that's one of the reasons why I want you to share it. Hope some people take it and come up moderate. And we have a chance of them going, wait a minute. Matthew showed up libertarian. Maybe I'm more like him. Let me have a conversation with him. This is a conversation starter. It's why I really, you know, it really matters to me, you know. So anyway. Thank you for that, Matthew. I appreciate it. Absolutely, I appreciate that. So Matt says, we made out the act of 1781 and 1776. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. That's after the, the war is won. Correct, right? But we declared our de independence in 1776. So do you consider, do you consider the treaty or the end of the war? Or do you consider 1776? Either one. So I would, I would, I would rather, um, I don't have a problem going back at all. I just have a problem with the way it goes back, if that makes sense. So, yes. USA teaches history of the Middle East for 6,000 years. History of the USA in USA? Yeah. Not even 600. Um, it's basically USA before the Civil War and USA after the Civil War. That's basically it. That's kind of how it goes. So, yeah. That's probably about it right there. There we go. So... Um, John says, Jones, I'm sorry, Jones some, Jones Soames, Jones Soames. Is that right? Or is it Jones Ohms? I don't know. Jay says, welcome home and welcome, welcome to the shop. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yes. hundred percent. Yes. 
Um, Myron says, any plans on getting on Tim Pool's podcast? Sure. I'll check it out. If he wants me on, I don't know if he wants me on. A lot of these guys don't want me on. They don't even, they don't want me on. They're like, well, we're going to go without Larry Sharp. The, the, the problem that some of these, some of these, some of these um, podcasters have is twofold. One, their conversations often are rhetorical. They aren't about actual policy issues. They're about, I hate the other or I like the other. They may not want a guy like me on who will actually say, well, let me give people the benefit of the doubt. You've heard me say it often. I'll give each side the benefit of the doubt, and then I'll often call both of them wrong, and I'll give you an actual policy that will fix it. A lot of people don't like that. They want to be able to do a left-right paradigm, fight, yell, scream, say bad stuff, yell rhetoric, that kind of stuff. So for them, I'm often not a good guest. So I think that's one of the reasons why they don't have me on. I would like to be on. Let's see if they bring me on. We'll see. So, But you guys can help me out by making me more popular by heading over to patreon.com slash sharpway and donating 10, 25, or 100 bucks so that I can make more money here and keep this going on so I do even more of this and pay my staff more, which would be nice because many of them are, are doing this for a whole lot less than you would probably do it. So yeah, so that would be nice also. Yes, and we can also buy some ads, which would be nice. We can't afford to buy ads yet. So we're on our way to do that or support my sponsor. Click that link, take that survey. It does matter. So thank you. Yes. I heard Lipsock say rent is theft. Yes, there are some libertarian socialists who believe rent is, is a bad thing that you shouldn't be renting. But some of them mean rent in the more classical sense, meaning rent seekers. And for those of you who know what that means, um, is a rent seeker in a more classical sense means someone who is taking advantage of a government program, and I mean in business, to make money. So the government has to, whatever, build the roads. I'm making that up. And then me, because I, I know that my cousin is in business, I mean, in government, I get him to give me the contracts and I get constant contracts every single year to build the roads. That's called a rent seeker, if that makes any sense. So a lot of that comes from that idea that rent seekers, but also rent, depends on who you're talking to. It can go either way. They don't. They think the idea of, of renting is if you're not part of the thing, then why do you get money from the thing? So you'll find some lip socks are there. The idea of property ownership that you're not attached to um, is something they don't like. They think it's a bad idea. So we'll talk about that, I'm sure, tomorrow also. So all good. So um, see if I can keep going down this if I can. Um, um, at Larry Sharp, Gary Johnson, <laughs> 2024, Gary and Larry. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. But I, I don't think Gary Johnson is running again. Look, if he ran, I would happily support him. I love Gary Johnson. I wish he was president now. I love Gary Johnson, but I don't think he's running again. I would not count on that. Thank you, Brandon. But I wouldn't be counting on Gary Johnson running again. That's me. I would be like, you know what? Probably not. Not Probably not going to happen. We'll see. So I appreciate that. So um, let's see here. I'll grab another one if I can. I use Larry's lineup. You can be as conservative, as liberal as you want to be. Just don't use government to be to be like you. It goes well with voters. I agree completely. Yes, I agree completely. Yes, one hundred percent. I love I love that idea. One hundred percent. I use it all the time. So yes. All right. Property taxes theft. There we go. That's what I'm talking about, Joe. Guys, um, I want to say thank you so much for this evening. We did about an hour forty five. Um, I hope I answered a bunch of your questions. Tomorrow I may not have a seven p.m. show because I will be doing 
that show at 5 p.m. ET. So I may not have a show in the evening. I might have a late show, maybe. Depends if my voice is still. If I still my voice by then, we'll see. But uh, in any case, um, uh, thank you for today. Please support the show. Like, comment, and share. And I will see you all tomorrow.